Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. We're finally going to do an MCU movie ranking. You know, the MCU started with Iron Man in 2008. Ever since, there's been, what, 26 movies total. So Crazy. it's incredible how many movies they've turned out. And, I mean, this list that we made, it's completely objective. You know, we just this is the way we enjoy the films, and we ranked it that way. Just our personal preferences for them. We're also going to give you... Ron Tomatoes rankings as we go through each one where they're ranked as well as box office and all sorts of stuff. We'll spend a couple minutes on each film. It should be a lot of fun because, I mean, it's incredible what the MCU has done and what Marvel has done the last 15, 20 years. It's absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, twenty six or $23 billion global global box office in total for all these films. The average is ridiculous what they make on average. I think it's, it's like $800 million. And on average, these movies are grossing close to a billion dollars because obviously some of them are two billion income and then box office, then Avengers, Endgame, and Infinity War. Those made like four billion total combined. So it's ridiculous what they've accomplished. They don't have any failures, and that's rare. I mean, you could say that The Incredible Hulk would be their worst performing movie, but even that was over $200 million box office. So they've never had a flop, and it's some, it's unheard of for movie studios. Like I, I'm sure other movie studios look at it like how the hell – is this even possible where they just turn out hit after hit after hit after hit and they're always hitting home runs? Even if the movies aren't amazing, they're still well-received by audiences and still healthy box office returns. So it's never been done before in this kind of scale and this kind of consistency ever in history. Yeah, and they have a diehard fan base. I mean, we love Marvel movies. When they started with Iron Man, I was blown away what they did with that because we were obviously, you know, Dark Knight, Batman Begins trilogy. We love that, and we love the Spider-Mans. We love the X-Men, and the, what, what they did with Marvel going forward. It's incredible now that they've acquired some— well, Disney's acquired them, and they've also acquired 20th Century Fox, and it's going to be great to see what they do going forward after Phase 4, Phase 5, Phase 6, what it's all going to look like. Phase when, 47. When they, when they put all— all of the X-Men and the mutants and then the, the Marvel heroes and everything together. It's going to be ridiculous. Then it's only a matter of time until they buy Warner Brothers. But the cool thing about the Marvel rankings is I don't think any list is invalid. Your list is your list, and don't let anyone tell you that it's wrong. If you think our list is wrong, whatever, it's our list. Yeah, don't do us dirty in the comments. Yeah, I mean, I, you can if you want, but, like, every list is valid. It's subjective. It's what you like, what you prefer. You know, there's no wrong answers to any of these lists or anything. It's your call. And we also consolidated both of our lists into this one solo list. So, it's an epic Raiders yeah. of the Lost I podcast. Think it's, I think it's, it's pretty legit. I think. Yeah, you, we spent a lot of time on it. It's yeah. it's pretty solid. We did some spent, rearranging. Spent months on this. It's list. a tough choice when you're in the top ten. It's like wow, I gotta cut some. I gotta make some in there. Top five is even harder. But I think the top three was probably the easiest to do. I think the number one was the easiest to do. Although you guys won't find that out until the end of the episode. What our number one pick is true. Well, I was you know I, I had I was going back and forth between one and two like they're they're two great films but i guess i understand why you convinced me to put what we put as the top at number one i get it he took a lot of convincing y'all lots of convincing I twist his arm <laughs> but this should be a lot of fun it should be a, a good episode you know it's been it's a holiday weekend everyone's traveling so we, we want to do something like yeah, something, something fun you're driving to see your families we're we're gonna be in boston we're currently yeah. in massachusetts right now so yeah we're seeing family and stuff and hope you're all having a great day and a great thanksgiving if you're in america Otherwise, if you're at work and yeah, some I, don't other country, do. I don't know what y'all do in Europe <laughs> and everywhere America, else in the yeah. world, not doing it. But um, before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast, where you get awesome perks like podcast schedules, personalized videos, Patreon shoutouts for top tier patrons on the podcast, as well as weekly bonus episodes, which post every single Wednesday. We just launched our podcast masterclass online course this past week. So for anyone who wants to start a podcast or wants to improve their current podcast, 
current podcast, our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course will give you all of our secrets and behind the scenes knowledge of everything we've learned and what goes into the production of our show. The link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or just go to our website, raidersofthelostpodcast.com. You can find it there. Use the coupon code podcast10 to get 10% off that masterclass right now. Follow, subscribe wherever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in around the world. And let's get into the Marvel rankings, starting with what we have at number 26. This is going to be the Incredible Hulk, which was not incredible. <laughs> it's, 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 it's okay. I think it's not. The thing about this whole ranking, I don't think there's a bad movie here. Yeah, Marvel doesn't make bad movies. That's the thing. But you, we got to. It has to start out with something, and it, we got to pick Incredible it, Hulk. It's crazy how bumpy the MCU started. Iron Man was great, but with the Incredible Hulk, with Edward Norton being the Hulk and then getting cut as Bruce Banner going forward, it's, it's like a, bump, a bumpy beginning to the MCU. Yeah, and this uh, it ended up just being a CGI fest at the end. The final, final fight between Abomination and the Hulk was just like. Not very entertaining. It was just like just two big guys just going at it. And it like, has to be CGI, yeah, though. You know, it's, it wasn't it's, entertaining though. It just felt too, like I was watching a video game. Yeah, and this came out in two thousand and eight, obviously starring Edward Norton. But I guess the the rumors on set was he's very difficult to work with. Every on, set, on, on set, he's <laughs> he he wants to be like very much a part of the storytelling process and like even like on set sort of directing, I guess and. A lot of input creatively, which has tons of pros and cons. But I think when you're on a Marvel set where, you know, it's kind of like sort of factory filmmaking at this point where they we got to do this. This this is happening today and we got to get it done um, in a huge project, a uh, hundred million, hundred fifty million dollar budget, something like that. I think it, it, if you have a star like that going forward, I understand why they went with someone like Mark Ruffalo going forward. They haven't no one's been able to pull off the solo Incredible Hulk film yet, although maybe Marvel will with the um the rumored Hulk movie in, in the works, but they thought that Hulk would be a, the big property to start off with with Iron Man. These would be the one-two punch to really kick things off, and I think that they discover quickly that Hulk tends to work better as a supporting character in these movies. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to pull the solo film off, and I think that's probably the biggest trouble with this film is it's a hard story to tell. I think it only works if you go like super sci-fi with it and not do the typical... like soldiers shooting at him trying to go after him and capturing him but like if he goes off onto another planet i think that's the only way hulk will work yeah that would be cool and so it's on ron tomatoes at number 24 in their listing with the 67 percent fresh score so it's again that's a pretty solid score for a superhero movie i think and it you know it could have been a little better but you know i think it's rightfully placed at 26 yeah keep in mind this is the early days and then at number 22 Five, we have Thor, The Dark World. Oh, wait, hold on. Real quick. Hulk, box office. Let's see what that is. Mm-hmm. I have all the box office numbers right here. And The Incredible Hulk. Give me one second. It's an order of money. Made $264 million global on a budget of $150 million. Hmm. Yeah, so, so it didn't break even. Not incredible. It lost a little money. Not incredible box office for the Incredible Hulk. But at the time, you know, yeah, it probably lost a little money with all the marketing included with that. And then splitting, splitting with theaters, too. All right. all right, let's get back and go back to number 25, like you said. Thor, the Dark World. And Thor is... The th- for the first Thor is pretty good. The second one is just kind of bland. Is very grim. It didn't have that much humor to it. And I just think that the villain in it was just pretty weak. I can't remember his name or what he really wanted. The Dark Elf. Yeah, the Dark Elf. It seems like they only used that as a way to get the ether, the the red Infinity Stone going into the story. And I just think as a whole, it was just kind of a bland film. Yeah, it was a little flat. I liked Thor. 
and obviously it's better than Thor The Dark World. But I think they, as the Thor films progressed, they got a little more modern with the way they approached the character. Because the first one, the silly parts about him, like his eyebrows are bleached and stuff oh, like yeah. that. It, his design doesn't look phenomenal, but I think it, his design of the character got a little better than Thor The Dark World. But the storyline just falls pretty flat, if you, like, like Anthony was just talking about. Mm-hmm. And this is at number 25 on the Rotten Tomatoes list, so second to the last 66% on the Rotten Tomatoes meter. But the cast is really great. Obviously, Hemsworth as Thor, Natalie Portman, uh, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. This is his second installment as the character. And then Stellan Skarsgård as the scientist who we all loved in Dune as well. Sir Anthony Hopkins as well. <laughs> yes, and Rene right. Russo. I, and I will just say, Thor's friends, like that motley crew of warriors, they seem like very cheesy on film. Mm-hmm. They, I'm sure they, they're fine in the comics, but they seem a little too cartoony in the film to yeah. take them seriously. But this was wildly successful. It came out in 2013 on a budget of $152 million and made $644 million global box office. So that's huge. They all got bumps after the Avengers movie. All of the movies started getting, getting way up in box office because the first story, I think, was like $400 million box office. Something like that. Yeah. And then next up at 24, we have Iron Man 2. And Iron Man 2 is a pretty good movie. You know, Tony Stark brought it again. I do like how John Favreau tried to address Tony's alcoholism in this film. But I think that the action scenes in this film are kind of unmemorable. Um, I don't think the villain was that great. He seemed cool in the trailer, but Whiplash was just kind of like pretty basic. And I mean, Tony, it seems like Tony could should take him out no problem. He's just got, he could he's have just like one on one. Yeah. So Whiplash played by Mickey Rourke, his really skill you think would be the physicality of the character with the whips and everything, but it ends up being him hacking into the yeah. Iron Man suits at the yeah. end of the film. Then Sam Rockwell, he seems like I think. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply would have been a better if he was just like the single villain or something like that or pick mm-hmm. one of them to be the main villain because it went back and forth with who was really in control as, in terms of being the main antagonist of the film uh, the cast is obviously absurd we have Don Cheadle here Gwyneth Paltrow down East Scarlett Johansson here is this the which one is Scarlett Johansson this one introduces Black Widow yeah. um, and you know the story it's decent it's solid it's funny but yeah, compared to Iron Man 1, it, it really isn't even close. And then the final battle is just like a bunch of just, you know, CGI armored suits. It just reminds you of kind of like the Avengers, just CGI army kind of took you out of it. I think it was a pretty underwhelming conclusion to the to the film is what its weakest part was. Well, CGI is a big part of this entire MCU. Yeah, they, so they love CGI. We can't be, we can't be too hard on, on tons of CGI going on. You know, it's, it's part of these yeah, films. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Iron Man 2 on a budget of $200 million dollars. It made six hundred no four hundred oh, Iron Man two yeah two hundred million dollars budget box office six hundred twenty three million global box office and it came out in two thousand and ten still before Avengers I believe this yeah. film yeah I, yes yeah, yes yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Iron Man three came out after right. Avengers and then at number twenty three oh wait hold on Iron Man two on Rotten Tomatoes ranking is twenty three. And it's at 70, 72% on the tomato meter. Oh, so we're right in line with that. We're on tomato Pretty ranking. close. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty close. And then in 23, we have Avengers Age of Ultron here. And this came out in 2015. I think this was just a very forgettable film. 
I, yeah. <laughs> I, Ultron seemed awesome in the trailer, and I we've said before we don't know anything about comic books, so whenever they announce a new film, I'm like, oh, who is this character? And I'll look into it. Ultron seemed fascinating and a great choice for the for the villain. James Spader was a great choice for his voice. Robert California. Yeah, he's got, <laughs> he's got a very memorable voice, but the the villain ended up being super just like lame and all talk and no bite. And I, the, the trailers made it seem like Ultron would be super indestructible. And then it ended up being like he, he gets his bodies torn apart like nothing over and over again. The and, false marketing really yeah. pissed me off of this movie where the, the clips in the trailers, it had like all the Avengers were dead at the feet of Ultron. Yeah. And it's like so it ended dumb. up being a dream sequence. It's like it's such a like a BS move for them to market the movie like Ultron is this impossibly strong being that none of them can stop altogether where that's really Thanos. Exactly. And then especially with Quicksilver... Yes, you when you watch the Quicksilver portrayals in the other films, like especially the X Men films, how brilliantly they portrayed his speed visually, and then you see this, and it, they didn't do any slow motion, I don't, like hardly any slow motion at all in this film, and, to see his perspective. Yeah, so they really drop drop the ball because Josh Whedon, he's not a visual visually dynamic filmmaker. He's just like he's a good writer, and he's he writes funny, whippy, snappy dialogue. You know, he's not. No one looks at him as looked at him as like an amazing director. And I think that was the biggest weakness. Yeah, he tied it all together pretty well, but visually the film was just kind of, it felt like it was a TV show most of the time. Yeah, I'm so disappointed that they have Quicksilver, they introduce him and Wanda, and they kill him right away. Yeah. Like, how how do you not have him as the future or part of the, the Phase 3 and Phase 4 going forward? Because the character's awesome, the powers are great, Aaron Taylor Johnson's a phenomenal actor, so I'm sure he would have been happy to be a part of it. Obviously, we also got... The uh, introduction of Wanda Maximoff as well, who's going to be one of the main parts of the Avengers going forward. She's in the been MCU. a highlight, yeah. So that was a great part of the film. But again, the the villain is just very underwhelming in general. Like we said, it's he's not as powerful without he's not very powerful without his army. Any one of them could take him on one on one without his 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 minions, you know. And also, this is where the Bruce Banner Natasha Romanoff love story just started out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, what? Wait, they're dating? What? <laughs> they, I think everyone in the theater was like, wait, what? They, and she says, I love you. And it's like, what is going on? Where's what this, this happened? So it just uh, things like that made this film just feel super out of place. Yes. But we rank it higher than the others because it has really epic scenes, good action scenes. It is. It has gr- pretty funny moments at, in it, so it is better than the other ones we've said but so it's, far. But it's too similar to Avengers. Yeah. It's kind of especially the same kind of plot. Especially the final act. Yeah, and this is on Rotten Tomatoes. It's at number 22 on their list mm-hmm. with a 76% score fresh. And then for box office, Age of Ultron ended up making, let's see. A bill? $1.4 billion global box office on a Budget of three hundred sixty-five million dollars. A big budget. I think that that's the biggest budget of all of them. If you don't, if you count um, Endgame and Infinity War as separate films, yeah. No, actually, those were each that same budget. Never mind. Okay, got it. So those hit around that too. But that's insane. Three hundred sixty-five million dollars. That's a lot of money. But I mean, it made a ton of money. It made a billion dollars back. Yeah. Uh, so it's a good return on investment for sure. Okay. Next up, we have at number twenty-two. Are we on? Yeah, twenty-two. We have Black Widow, which is one of the most recent releases by Marvel, and this was Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. Black Widow's solo film, which came out years after her character died. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that this movie, it had a lot of potential, and I was very interested in seeing it. It was good, but ultimately I thought it was kind of a misstep because they just, like always, they they 
tend they made this movie more about setting up future characters than did than they did about giving Natasha a great solo film. I felt like it was more of a here's Red Guardian and and here's um y- Yelena um that was pretty much the main basis of the movie, I felt like. Yeah, and we talked about this in our review because we've been dying for a Natasha Romanoff film, a Black Widow. She deserved this film back in the early 2010s. I mean, she should have had this movie a decade ago for sure, but they did her dirty in my opinion. They waited until the character died and then they like, okay, I guess we'll make your movie now, which is so unfortunate for Scar Joe and for Black Widow for the character going forward because it probably means the end of Natasha Romanoff that we'll see because she's dead. So like, what are you gonna keep making prequels with her going forward? And then the team up aspect, I know they want to introduce like the new Black Widow going forward, I guess, with Yelena, but still, it was I think it was a big disservice to her the way they treated the character of just like. Now you can have a movie. You, you've been dead for two and a half years. It, it's fine to come out now with your film. It's. I think it's unfortunate. I wish it was. I, I think the scale, if it was smaller, would have been a lot better. Because the Black Widow is one of my favorite characters in the MCU in general, and it's just. I think it's just too bad what they did to her at with her movie coming out in 2021. And the movie is just way too big. And she I, dies in 2018. Yeah, I was hoping this movie would have like a smaller scale, but no, they once again went with this gigantic enormous CGI fest at the end for the third act and it was just way too much I was just was like I was hoping we could get like a smaller scale espionage thriller see Natasha really as a super assassin and, and spy Scar- yeah Scar is one of the best actors yeah. in the entire MCU so get some great dramatic yeah. scenes but again it was just like this giant CGI fest and I just was pretty I was just pretty disappointed once the film was finished it, it ended up being a lot like Avengers you know the big yeah. flying ships at the end with the climax but exactly I mean, yeah I mean ScarJo's great in everything she does. I thought it was very funny. It was a good time. I enjoyed watching it. But the whole time I was just thinking, I mean, why couldn't they do this 10 years ago? Exactly. And it would have been a lot better, I think. And so um, um, Ron Tomatoes has Black Widow at number 19 on their list with a 79% fresh score. And it came out in 2021, obviously. And it was the first film from the MCU to come out during lockdown, I believe, Mm -hmm. in COVID when it came out back in July 2021. And it actually pulled off 379 million at the box office because it did a, a a theater release as well as digital release online on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. So that was the first film with the controversy with ScarJo kind of having to file a lawsuit against the MC against Disney and making what we, I think people rumored to be about 50 million dollars off that in yeah. addition to what she yeah. made for the film because she was supposed to get back in. So good for ScarJo for getting what she deserved for the movie. Yeah, Disney was playing coy. They were <laughs> playing real coy. And uh, the, the movie had a budget of 200 million dollars. So. I'm glad she finally got her movie for sure, but I wish I, it, I, wish, I, wish, it, I wish the budget was sixty million. Honestly, I wish because I wanted it to be grounded and small, like a born movie. Yeah, exactly. It would have been, cool. it would have been exactly. that would have been awesome to see. Yeah. Um, let's see what's up next. So at number twenty one, we have Eternals, which came out this past year. We saw it what a couple weeks ago and did a little mm-hmm. mini review on it. Overall, I thought the movie was was pretty good. It was, I think, just. Too many characters and too much complexity to the storytelling. A lot of flashbacks and flash forwards. Um, you're introducing a lot of new characters at the same time. And I, I love the visuals. Uh, Chloe Zhao is a phenomenal director. And I love the aesthetic. You know, so much golden hour cinematography. I love the wide shots and everything. And I think the CGI was fantastic. But I think it's just a little too slow and long and drawn out. And I think what they did with the MCU, I think that this is laying the foundation going forward. So that's what they had to do: introducing all these new characters, introducing the new concepts going forward. It's kind of like the like Ant Man. Yeah, and the thing is, like people who like are defending it are saying like, well, 
it's just because it's not action every five minutes doesn't mean it's a bad movie. And like the people were saying, like people who love Marvel can't watch a movie that doesn't have twenty action scenes. It's like no, that's not the point. That this movie. I think it had a lot of potential, but like it was just like so drawn out. It didn't seem like the first act ever ended, and you know there was so much exposition that just the whole movie was basically exposition. Mm-hmm. And you know people complain about Chris Nolan movies have have an exposition. Like this thing was just here's this character, here's their past, here's blah blah blah. And I felt like I was constantly being explained things, and the story wasn't really going forward without exposition. So I I just kept getting. I was getting kind of frustrated waiting for the movie to finally unravel into its into its like plot and its climactic moment and I just I think that it had a great cast, great directing, really nice cinematography, excellent CGI, but I think that this the story was way too big for it and it kind of unfolded within itself. But I do love the end credit scenes in this film, uh, specifically when we finally heard oh, Herschel yeah. Ali's voice as Blade. Let's go. But I mean, it introduced us to a bunch of great new characters, which I'm, I'm so excited to see going forward what they're going to do with them. So there's so many pros and cons to all these Marvel movies, but I think, you know, those are pretty much the pros and cons to Eternals. And mm-hmm. this has, on Rotten Tomatoes, they have it last on their list at number 26. With a 47% score on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it as the, only rotten? the only rotten one? But again, guys... Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes, take with a grain of salt. Man of Steel, which we just did an episode on, which we adore. That's a rotten movie as well. So don't always just go by Rotten Tomatoes score. It's, it's kind of like, eh. They're suspect. And so Eternals on a budget of $200 million pulled in $300 million at the box office, which again is pretty solid for we're in this. Um, it actually, it, it's the first one that didn't do the dual release. Yeah, so it will it be on theaters Disney. only. It'll be on Disney Plus on December 20th, I think, off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But it just came out. Yeah, but I mean, it's still it's still earning money. It's crazy when we take, talk about we're in 2021 and a movie makes 300 million dollars and people are like, oh, that's not that much. It's like, that's crazy. That's insane. it's still a lot. It's that's still a ton a lot. of money. Yeah, it's in, that's that's nuts. <laughs> Any other movie would be happy to make 300 million <laughs> for real. <laughs> Marvel movies are spoiled. All right, let's go on to number 20. We have Ant Man and the Wasp, which came out in 2018. I think that the Ant Man movies are some of the funniest ones. And that's the strength to it. Uh, Evangeline Lilly was great as the Wasp in this. She finally got to be a superhero, which was nice, and they were setting it up in the first film. Also, just a great cast. You got Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas, and the de-aging looks really good. And, you know, Paul Rudd, I think, was a perfect choice for Ant-Man. I think this was a a lot of fun. That villain, I can't remember her name, but she's like this ghost-like version of, like, Ant-Man, and she's a really good villain. And all in all, I think they, it's a pretty solid film as a whole. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I like Ant-Man, the first one, better. But actually, Rotten Tomatoes has this higher than original Ant-Man. They have it at number 13 with an 87% score in Rotten Tomatoes. Cast is awesome. It, it, they are the funniest, like some of the funniest movies in the MCU. Paul Redd, obviously, that's his specialty. Michael Pena has some of my favorite scenes in this movie whenever he's telling stories going back in time. They're mm-hmm. hysterical. Um, overall, I think the Ant-Man franchise... Sort of like The Incredible Hulk started off on a bumpy row where they had Edgar Wright attached as the director and the writer of the first one. It would have been great to see him maybe do the first two Ant-Man movies. Who knows what they would have been like, but obviously we don't know what happened with the creative differences and he, he left. But they're both pretty damn good movies. Yeah, Peyton redirected them. He did a good job. He's he's a solid guy. He's yeah. a solid director. And also Adam McKay and Paul Rudd worked on the scripts together. Yeah. So Adam McKay was involved. He's a Very great smart comedy guy. writer. Yeah. And uh, so Ant-Man and the Wasp, on a budget of $162 million, made $622 million wow. global box office, which is absurd. It's crazy. I've never even heard of Ant-Man until four years ago. And these, <laughs> these movies are making $600 million. It's, it's freaking insane, dude. It's wild. <laughs> 
All right, take us to the next one. At number 19, we have Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Now, I know a lot of people are going to get butthurt about this one. And, and I, I will say, Guardians 2 is it's funny, and, you know, the cast is great. But for me, I just was not a fan of the, the final battle where it was basically like superhero, like Superman-type battle where Star-Lord and his dad are just flying at each other, and they were super beings. And that really took me out of the film. I felt like... Part of Star Lord's appeal is that he's just another. Ga- he's just like an Earthling. He's like us, and so when he got superpowers, I was like, "Oh, come on! This is kind of like not what I was hoping the trajectory of the character would be like." I know they had to explain how he survived touching an Infinity Stone, but I think they could have come up with something a little better than that. It's not comic book accurate. I've looked into it. Ego in the comic books isn't his father, so James Gunn put these two storylines together and meshed it together by making Ego his father. So I understand that he wanted that ego character in it. I just think it wasn't the right villain for this movie. And I also wasn't a fan of, like, right away they were started fighting. Because by the end of, end of Guardians 1, they became a family. I mean the crew? Yeah, the crew. And then by the, like, 10 minutes into Guardians 2, they, like, Rocket and Star-Lord, like, hate each other. And I just, I, I it lost that, like, that fun quality that I was looking for. It did get fun by the end. But I just I I was not a big fan of this one. I you know I I understand those qualms that you have with the film. I I enjoyed this movie in general. I like the first one better, but I think this one's a lot of fun as well. I I like Egos as the character as the villain, you know, with with um Star Lord Peter Quill trying to figure out his past, who his father is, once he meets his father. I love the family aspect of it, where he kind of abandons his family, then goes back to them by the end of the film. But you're right, I do. I'm not a huge fan of when they start quarreling so early on when yeah. they had just that amazing story in the in the first one. And um, it makes you, you curious what they're going to do with Volume 3. Or like they're going to get split up again and then yeah, find yeah. their way back for, for the third act again. Um, overall, though, I think it's a good time. The soundtracks of both of these movies are the best in all the films in general because James Gunn's like very much like Scorsese and, and Edgar Wright where he picks great music for his films. And so I think those are the best parts of the movie. I love putting on the playlist for these films. But overall, you know, I, I like Guardians 1 better than Guardians 2. Rotten Tomatoes has this at 85%, number 15 on their list. And again, it doesn't mean it's a bad movie at all. These movies are, are great. I love Guardians 2, but we had to put it, you know, we're around, what is it, at 20 we said? 19. 18, 19. 19. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 yeah, came out in 2017. We, yeah. I think it's mid-tier. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Um, on a budget of $200 million, it made $863 million global box office. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or on social media, you may have noticed that Anthony and I have some brand new laptops on our desks. These are courtesy of LG, the 17-inch LG Gram Ultra Lightweight Laptops. The cool thing about them is their 16 by 10 aspect ratio versus the usual 16 by 9 which means more vertical space, which is great for editing our episodes, great for note-taking, but most importantly, phenomenal for watching movies on these exceptional screens. We've been binging all sorts of stuff on these screens the last two months since we've had them. I watched Rear Window the other night. I binged Succession on this. So Anthony, I know, watches movies in his room every night before he goes to bed because we only have one TV in the house. You know, sometimes other people are using it. But it's amazing when we have the opportunity to use these LG screens because they're enormous and exceptional. Not to mention they are shockingly light, these laptops. And we'll put links in our v- in our YouTube video bio below. For the LG Gram 16-inch and 17-inch models, thank you so much LG and LG Gram for the laptops and for sponsoring the show for the rest of the year. 
And you know what I love just as much as I love the Marvel movies? My Lawnmower 4.0 Groomer from Manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. And starting today, Manscaped.com is doing 25% off their entire website for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. This runs for an entire week. Still be sure to use our coupon code at checkout, Raiders of the Lost, to get free shipping. But this week is the perfect opportunity to get those holiday gifts for the men in your life, for the things they'll actually use. 25% off is insane. So definitely take advantage of this Black Friday and Cyber Monday deal on Manscaped.com. And don't forget our coupon code, Raiders of the Lost, at checkout to get free shipping in addition to 25% off. Manscaped also just launched some brand new products this month, including their 2-in-1 shampoo conditioner and their body wash, which smell so good. I've been using this in the shower. Getting nice and clean and sudsy and bubbly. It's fantastic. It's the holiday season. If you got a manual life. This is stuff that we actually use. I swear he'd love it. Let's get back into it. Now, at number 18, we have Spider-Man Homecoming, which is Peter Parker's first solo film in the MCU. Tom Holland showcased his talents in this film, charming us, being a really great young version of Peter Parker. I love that he's actually a high school student and looks like a high school student for once. As much as I love Tobey Maguire, Tom Holland really felt like a high schooler in this film. I love the innocence and, and naivety he portrays within the character. Also, having like a sidekick like Ned was a lot of fun rather than it being like Harry who's going to be a villain. I think that Michael Keaton, fun as the vulture. All around, this is a really fun film. I think they knocked it out of the park for the first Spider-Man solo film. Yeah, and the thing with Homecoming is it's kind of like just an Avengers movie in general. Basically, so yeah. Because that's why I think we put this below Far From Home, because Far From Home, Peter's mostly on his own for the, you know, out in, in Europe and Italy and everything. But in Homecoming, you know, we have Iron Man's in this movie, Spider-Man. We even have Captain America's not fighting, but he's in the movie as well. So I think that because there are so many Avengers in the film, it doesn't really feel completely like a solo uh, Spider-Man movie. Happy Hogan's in it. I mean, yeah, too. So, yeah. yeah, but Happy Hogan's kind of like his assistant, you yeah. can say. And his connection to the Avengers and his like publicist or something, but um, I, that's why I like Far From Home better. But Homecoming, I think, is a great, great Spider-Man film. Great introduction to him as a solo film. Obviously, his introduction is in Civil War, right? It's the first yep. time he shows up um, under ruse. And I love the opening of this movie because it's like him with his. It's like the found footage of his eye of his phone from when yeah. he was filming behind the scenes of the, like the battle at Civil War. He's like, "Oh, guys, check out where I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm at the airport. Look, look at that! Holy crap! Hold on, I gotta be right back. I gotta go fight somebody." He's like, "Whoa, he's a giant man!" It's it's, it's like where's he gonna post it though? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's super. I think this movie's really really funny. I think yeah. that's the biggest strength to it. Besides Tom Holland, who's exceptional as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. I love Zendaya as, as uh, MJ coming into this film. But she, I like how she's not the lead or the love interest in the movie. They have another girl. I can't remember her name. Sorry about that. Who is the Vulture's daughter. How dare you? Michael Keaton is an awesome villain as Vulture. But I think just the, the, the Vulture squad, I think wasn't fully doing it for me the entire time. And like their, how quickly they became villainous. In oh, terms yeah. of like, they went from like hardworking guys to like, oh, I had this. They shut me. They shut me down. Now I'm just gonna, gonna start committing crimes and everything. It's oh, like yeah. crazy. Yeah, they turned on a dime. That's fast. Yeah, and also there's that pretty. It was like an eight year flash forward. Yeah, from the battle in New York. But I really like the first act of this movie because then they're dealing with like the we see the cleanup of New York City of Civil War in New York mm-hmm. City and like the the crews who have to take care of it, like Keaton's character, the yeah. Vulture's character, and stuff like that, and how people steal the technology for themselves. But um, I think one downside for me is like. Of course, all the characters are like geniuses and like are the top debate team in the entire country and stuff like that. But I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it's it's funny and uh, it's cool to see Tony Stark in this 
and I think that's why home uh, the next one is better because it's more of like a Peter Parker on his own kind of film. Yeah. So that's why I like it better as well. So what are the numbers for this film? So Spider-Man Homecoming on a budget of $175 million made $880 million global box office. And again, this came out in 2017. Wow. And um, Rotten Tomatoes has it actually number six on their list at 92%. Nice. Which, I mean, hey, it's good, good, good for me. Them. Also, Marissa Tomei is excellent as Anna. Oh, yeah, I love Marissa. She's terrific. All right, let's move on. At number 17, we have Thor, the first Thor film. Kenneth Branagh made this film. I think it was a really cool introduction to the character. I love how he made it feel like it was like a Shakespearean kind of vibe and theme uh, because, you know, these are godlike beings, immortal beings from a different realm. So I like his approach to it. And also, it's kind of hard to pull off this city made of gold and the magical bridge yeah it's pretty silly but yeah i like thor it's a cool introduction to the character hemsworth awesome perfectly cast again i like to make fun of his bleached blonde <laughs> eyebrows in this film it, it, that's the the character looks a little silly and like the that. beard too the beard is bleached it's yeah. super blonde yeah. and his hair is super blonde as well that's why i love ragnarok so much it like made a more just uh, made him look like hemsworth modernized yeah, it's yeah. Just, you have chris hemsworth just make him look like chris hemsworth and you're yeah, good to go it. shave the beard he looks he looks great just a little scruff but um loki is a great villain yeah and great to see him in this film natalie portman's awesome in this peter i mean stellan skarsgård's awesome in this as well introducing a bunch of new characters overall it's a lot of fun uh we see you know thor going through the struggles of losing his powers after he's been banished by his father from asgard and loses the hammer, trying to get the hammer back and become worthy again. So it's actually a great character transformation and arc for him. I like the fish out of water story when he's yeah. when he's on Earth and he's like drinks the coffee. He's like another. <laughs> I like this another. <laughs> Ron- <laughs> I think it's great to see those moments of comedy. Ron Tomatoes has it at number twenty one on their list at seventy seven percent. And for m- numbers, let's see what they did. So on a budget of one hundred fifty million dollars, it made four hundred fifty million dollars worldwide. And this came out in 2011. Nice, nice. Good first film. All right, moving on. At number 16, we have Captain America, the first Avenger. Cap's introductory introductory film. You know, Chris Evans was excellent as Steve Rogers. I really like um, the transformation digitally from that really, that really sm- the sk- small skinny person with his CGI head on top of them into like a beefed up Chris Evans. I thought they did that a really great job. It was super believable how they pulled it off. And, you know, Steve Rogers is one of the best characters in the MCU. He's the most moral character. He's the best leader. And I think that he's a fascinating role for any actor. Chris Evans, I think, was perfect as the role. Has a good villain in Red Skull. Great to see Hugo Weaving in the MCU. All in all, I like the period piece aspect of it as well. Yeah, one of the only period pieces in the MCU. Chris Evans was the perfect choice for Captain Steve Robbers, who became Captain America, and <laughs> Captain Steve Robbers. Did I say Robbers? Yeah. I, I said Rogers. <laughs> Captain Steve Robbers. <laughs> but it's great. It's a great. Or it's a Captain American Origins as Origins. he becomes, as he uh, gets the super serum, and it, I love how it's sort of like how Thor becomes worthy again for the hammer. He's like the only soldier who seems to be worthy f- of the super serum because of his nobility and his honorable acts as as a soldier even though he doesn't even he, he can't physically match any of the, uh, the uh, uh, any of the other soldiers in his company it, what's different is cap was always worthy mm-hmm. and thor had to earn it 
Yeah, because he right. lost it. So Cap- Steve Rogers has always been worthy of greatness. But I like the story where they, you know, he, they give him the super serum and he, he saves the day a couple of times and some cool missions. But then they ended up turning him into just like a prop for propaganda for the army and everything mm-hmm. in the military complex. And so and then it's him getting past that and becoming a hero on his own and going solo, which is great. But what's cool in this movie, he's like shooting a gun in this movie multiple times. Yeah, that's cool to see. Like, to see him with a handgun taking out Nazis is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And then, you know, you get Bucky Barnes' introduction, and then he falls off the train, and we think he dies. But dun-dun-dun, we'll find out what happens later. Great ending where he sacrifices himself and then gets frozen into the ice. Rotten Tomatoes has this at number 17 with a score of 80%. And in terms of numbers... It's one of the lowest performing on a budget of $140 million. It made $370 million global box office. And again, this came out in 2011. And very, how about... Very modest. Yeah, pretty pretty small because, I mean, Winter Soldier, I think people were like, that movie's going to be pretty cool. But also, this is before the Avengers, so Marvel was not Marvel yet. Yeah. All right, let's head on into our intermission since we're about halfway through our list. Let's How's do that it. sound to you? Sounds wonderful. Let's begin with our movie quote competition. This one is from me. That's the first thing you said in the last four hours. That's a fountain of conversation. That's a geyser. Whoa, Daddy, stand back. Is it Brokeback Mountain? No. <sighs> hmm. Say it again. That's the first thing you said. Hunt. That's the first thing you said the last four hours. That's a fountain of a conversation. That's a geyser. Whoa, Daddy, stand back. I don't know. Fargo. Oh. That's with uh, Steve Buscemi's character. Yeah. Yeah. Good one. Thanks, man. Good one. All right, here's my quote. I think I have a, um, yeah, I have a fan one. Ready? So this is from Caleb Hepner. So you guys on MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I'll give everyone a moment. I know this one. Super bad. You look just like my friend's brother. Is your name Jimmy? You look just like him. What is this, $8? What are you, 11 <laughs> $7? <laughs> you hit what me with you, my car. What are you, 11? <laughs> That's all he had in his wallet, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Velcro wallet, too. <laughs> He's oh, like, man. you guys a shitload of alcohol or a shitload of cash right now, or I'm getting the cops. <laughs> That's funny. All right, here's my quote. I'll be out back. I'm going to find a tree to chop down. Oh, man. This sounds so familiar. I don't know. Bill Murray in Moves and Rice Kingdom. Good one. Carrying carrying the axe around. Yeah. All right. Guess this movie release year. Chaplin. 1991. 92. Oh, damn it. Starring Downey. One of my favorite Rob Downey Jr. Damn. It's close. All right. Time for you to guess this movie release year. What if I don't want to? You're going to have to. (laughs) Or your fans will be disappointed. Ghostbusters. The original? The original. 84. Yeah. You asked me that like... Three weeks ago, did I? Yeah. Oh man, I'm. <laughs> Remember that was the one where I took a few, a, like a half a oh, half yeah. a minute, and that guy freaked out on you for not knowing it right away. I got this time. You'll right never away. forget it now. Never. <laughs> All right, what's your quiz? What movie did John Favreau direct right before he did Iron Man? Zathura. Nice. Easy one, man. <laughs> Come on. Big Zathura fan over there? No, I just know that. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> I think Kristen Stewart's in it, I think. Maybe. Yeah. I've never seen it either. I did a director question as well. Oh, what is it? Who directed Ghostbusters? <laughs> um, hmm. Who directed Ghostbusters? That's a really good question. It is, isn't it? Um, Brett Radner. <laughs> <laughs> he was a kid. 
right. He was he acts in it as well. Oh, Aykroyd. No, no. Um, his son is directing the new one. Oh, what's his name? Silverman. <laughs> Something with an S. <laughs> no, Jason. No. John. Yeah, Jason. Jason. L- L- Slot. L- Lieberman. <laughs> Lever. <laughs> He's Jewish. She is Jewish. You're on the Stein. right track. Steen. Liverstein. <laughs> Ivan Reitman. Reitman. <laughs> Isn't that what I said? <laughs> Liverstein. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a name to somebody. <laughs> At least he knew it was a Jewish guy. <laughs> oh my God! So Liver Liverstein. <laughs> That's funny. It's comedy gold. Come on. <laughs> we actually had the great opportunity to see it at IMAX. Thanks to IMAX for that invite. The new one. Oh yeah. What's our um, movie news of the day? Well, you're skipping way ahead. We haven't even done Hater of the Week. Oh shoot! Hey, my bad. Come on, man. Waiting on you to take this over. So, do we have any real haters, or do we got fan fans? We don't have any real haters. I um, I didn't see that many, like bad ones. But I got a, a good unsubscribed one. You posted an apocalypse clip, X Men apocalypse clip, about Oscar Isaac's suit and how it was lubricated, <laughs> and you wrote it's lunricated. <laughs> with an N. Or is it like lun? It's un- it's lunricated. <laughs> <laughs> so Louis Vitella wrote. It's lubricated. Unsubscribed. After I posted it, I saw that. I'm like, I don't even care. <laughs> I don't even care. I'm not reposting this. Oh, man. But hey, I think I think sometimes the mis- the typos in a TikTok heading, headline title can help because people are like, Yeah, I can get more traction. What an idiot. Did you spell lubricated with an N? And they'll like keep rewatching it and then they'll oh, even comment. I think it sometimes helps engagement. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Did you do it on purpose? No. Oh, okay. All right. Um, for our supporter of this episode, we had an amazing five-star review on Apple Podcast iTunes from Evan Martirana, the Kings of Movies Critique, a binge-listening podcast to listen to if you ever need a laugh and knowledge about the world of cinema. Incredibly funny, smart guys, and are awesome with fans. They made me love movies even more, and they make me rewatch films in every episode they do. Please, please, please support them. They have helped me get through the toughest times. Give them your time. Sit back and unsubscribe. <laughs> Enjoy. Thank you so much, Evan, for that incredible reviewer help. We're very happy to help you get through those tough times. Thanks, pal. All right. On this day in film history, today is November 25th. In 1947, the first systemic Hollywood blacklist is in, is instituted, denying employment to American entertainment professionals due to alleged communist ties or sympathies. Oh, whoa. In 1987, planes, trains, and automobiles was released. In 1992, Aladdin was released. In 2009, The Road was released. In 2011, The Artist was released. In 2020, the New York Times named its 25 greatest actors of the 21st century so far, with Denzel Washington at number one, which I see no no lies there. And then happy birthday to Christina Applegate. No problem with that at all. Denzel nope. being number one. Denzel is our GOAT, probably. And uh, then- Trumbo was probably the highest profile name in the blacklist. He wrote um, Stanley Kubrick's Spartacus, but he did it under a pseudonym because... He was believed to have communist ties, which weren't correct, and so he was blacklisted by Hollywood. The old McCarthyism was going on. Mm-hmm. And then uh, streaming recommendation, I have The Bourne Franchise is on HBO Max right now in November. Oh, nice. They're all on there. I have Shanghai Nights on Amazon Prime. Nice. I love those movies. I think they're awesome. Dude, Owen Wilson and Jackie Chan's great combo. And they are surprisingly well shot. They are really yeah, beautiful. They're really, Cinematography they're... and production design, like really, really excellent. Really well-made movies. Yeah. They're incredibly well choreographed, obviously, because you have Jackie and his stunt team. And so obviously yeah. the fights are incredible. But I think Owen Wilson and Jackie together, it's, it's just as good as Jackie and, and Chris Rock together. I mean, Chris Tucker together. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Tucker. 
<laughs> I would say, honestly, I think I like Shanghai Noon better than Rush Hour. I think it's better. I don't know. I it's, love Rush Hour. Yeah, but Shanghai Noon is beautifully made. It's so well done. Oh, it's a really good movie. Yeah, I, it's awesome. It's a good time. All right, let's get back into... Our Marvel rankings at number 16. No, number 15. At number 15, we have Captain Marvel, Brie Larson's first solo outing as the titular hero. And I think she did a great job. Captain Marvel was a lot of fun. I love the 80s setting. I love Sam Jackson being de-aged. It was crazy. It looked how how realistic it looked to see him. Like, For real. It felt like a young Sam L. I love how he had hair. This movie it is pretty funny. Um, the, the scrolls are fun as a... The what you think are the actual villains? Jude Law ends up becoming the main villain by the end of the film. But spoilers, everyone's seen it, <laughs> and uh, I think this is all around a, a really good movie. Yeah, uh, Brie Larson's an incredible, incredible actress. Loved her in Room. That movie tore me apart, uh, and she's just a tremendous talent. She seems like she's going to be one of the leads in addition to uh, Wanda Maximoff going forward with the MCU. She's maybe going to be the leader of the Avengers. We'll see going forward. Her character has incredible powers, and I love the story. It's really fun. Love going back in time to this era. And Rotten Tomatoes actually has this at number 18 with 79% score. And let's see the numbers, which were ridiculous for this movie. Um, Captain Marvel on a budget of about $175 million made $1.1 billion global box office when it came out in March 2019. So congratulations on that, guys. Wow, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of cheddar cheese. Let's see what's up next. So we have... Iron Man 3 at number 14. This came out in 2013. This is Shane Black took over the Iron Man franchise from John Favreau at this point. And Shane Black uh, worked with Downey on Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and helped. You know, you could say Shane Black and Favreau were instrumental in Downey getting a resurgence in his career once he got out of prison because Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was one of those early roles he got after prison. And then John Favreau convinced the Zodiac as well. Oh, yeah, Zodiac yeah. was great for, with Fincher. And then Favreau convinced the studio to give him Tony Stark because he's incredible. And I, I like Iron Man 3 a lot. I think the villains are excellent. The, the plot and story is really good. I like how Pepper Potts has a lot more to do in this movie. Uh, the visual effects are incredible. Um, Tony, another great redemption, redemption story for him. And obviously, it's a Shane Black movie, so it's Christmas time. It's, I, I think this might be the funniest uh, Marvel movie. I think, it really I think, is funny. I think Iron Man 3 might be it, even funnier than Thor Ragnarok. It's, it'll slap out loud at times. I like the Christmas setting. I like the winter setting. It changes it up. Also, it's cool when De- – when, <laughs> I almost called him Downey. When Tony um, is – he loses his suit and his suit yeah. breaks. So then he's on his own. It's the great action sequence where he has to defend himself from villains. Completely vulnerable. Just, and it shows back to like him in the cave in the first film, showing mm-hmm. how smart and adept he is in any kind of situation. I just really love those aspects of the film. And I think Aldrich Killian was a great villain. I wasn't a big – I'm not a big fan of the, the fake Mandarin twist. I know a lot of people did like it. But I, for me, I didn't – I wanted it to be like the real Mandarin from the trailers. But I understand why they did it. What do you but... mean? They were planning it the whole time and fixed it. What <laughs> oh, do you, yes. What do you mean? Yes, they were planning yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Yes, yeah. of course. Yes. Of course, yes. Yeah, it was all, it was all a scheme. Yeah, all part of the plan. <laughs> yeah, sure. But Guy um, Pierce is awesome. Yeah. He's an underrated actor for sure. Big fan of his. Excellent villain. It was a great farewell for Downey for his solo films. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on a budget of $178 million, this made $1.2 billion globally at the box office. And again, it came out in 2013. Also had a really good score by Brian Tyler. I think it was the best Marvel score up to that point. I can agree with that. Next up at number 13, we have Ant-Man 
Paul Rudd's first outing as a titular character. This was co-written by Adam McKay and Paul Rudd and directed by Peyton Reed. I think they did a really fun, fun fan. Well, also, Edgar Wright has a writing credit. Edgar Wright has story credit, yes. Yeah, he came yeah. up with the original idea, but obviously creative differences uh, uh, forced him to leave. I believe Edgar Wright did not want to follow the trajectory of what Marvel had in mind for Ant-Man. Basically, Marvel put Ant-Man out because they needed him for the multiverse in order to for the Avengers to actually go back in time and fix the blip. So he was vital to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 4 ending. And I don't think Edgar Wright wanted to put those things into his adaptation. We'll, I'm, but I'm just speculating. Did I say Iron Man 3's rankings in, in Rotten Tomatoes? You did not. Oh, so sorry, guys. Go so ahead and say it. Iron Man 3 is number 20 on Rotten Tomatoes' list at a 79% score. All right, so back to Ant-Man, which is number 16 on Rotten Tomatoes' list with a r- score of 83%. And I enjoyed the heck out of this movie. I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was really funny. Um, I think Corey Stahl is an excellent choice as the villain in this film. I think he's a really underrated actor. Loved him in House of Cards. Loved him in the Strain TV show. And I think Paul Rudd is super charming lead actor. I mean, and he's now the sexiest man alive, apparently, according <laughs> to people. So congratulations to him for that. And Michael Caine. I mean, Michael Douglas is a huge part of this film, which I love. And we learn more about him and Pim, par- Prim, par- Prim Particles. Pim. Pim? Yeah. Hank Pim. Is there an R in there? No. Hank Pym. Okay. T-Y-M. Pym Particles. Anyways. <laughs> but you're right. They needed this movie to explain, start explaining the quantum realm and the future and how important Ant-Man will be to the MCU going forward. If five years ago, if you told me Paul Rudd would be the most important person in the MCU, I would have been like, what? Or Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah, like, what? <laughs> he is the most important character. But it is very funny. Like, you can tell when you watch it, the the jokes that Edgar Wright put into this movie. I, yeah. I think, like, the train set sequence, I think, I bet you Edgar Wright came up with that entire idea. I would say so, too. Because it's, it's the funniest part of the movie. Yeah, how they'll, they'll cut from the him in the... Um, Corey Stahl's character, their yellow tiny, jacket, yellow jacket, their miniature fighting, and you know these little plastic toy sets are like giant buildings to them. But then they cut out, and they were showing the entire room, and like this is like a little tiny train set falls over. Well, they, they, it crashes, and then like to them, it's like a giant explosion. Yeah. And then <laughs> when they zoom out, it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. It's stuff. super funny. Yeah, I, I like how they they changed the perspective. It worked really well. Yeah, and I think obviously. The the speed of the film, I think there's some elements when you watch it, Edgar Wright's touch is still there. In terms oh yeah, of for the, sure. The scenes yeah. and stuff like but that. But I would have, I would love to see how he d- would have directed it. Yeah, I, I think mean, he. I wish he man. is a special director on a budget of just 109 million dollars. That's the lowest budget I think of all the Marvel films in general. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they didn't have to pa- pay pa- Paul Rudd that much back then. Not yet. Um, it made a total box office of 519 million dollars. So that's a very profitable film for sure. This could, I think, Ant Man was the biggest solidifier of the Marvel brand. Yeah. The success of of Ant-Man. First Guardians and then Ant-Man. It's like, wow, they can do anything. Like, you guys, if for all you young kids, like, Marvel's success was unheard of. Like, the like Jason Bourne movies, they were making 400 million. Like, those were hits. Like, those are, like, the biggest movies of the year. Yeah, but now you have Ant-Man making 500 million, no problem. And it's crazy. It's just wild. Power of Marvel, man. Yeah. All right. Next up at number 13... We no, have 12. Na- number 12, we have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This is a really refreshing Marvel film that we got to see this past year. One of the, I think it's the best recent film that Marvel put out. Great to see some gr- excellent hand-to-hand combat, some great martial arts skills. Super refreshing take for a Marvel character. I like the San Francisco setting. And also Tony Long is the 
as the villain, as the big bad, was awesome. If you love Chinese cinema, he is the icon. Yeah, and Simu Liu as Shang-Chi, excellent as the lead character in this role, who kind of like kind of came out of nowhere for me. Like I, I can't even remember seeing him before. Movie I think he was on a TV this, show before some TV this. stuff. And yeah. I, think, I know he was like modeling and stuff. Like I saw there's memes of him. He was a stock image model. So there's a bunch of funny oh, yeah, stock images of, yeah. of, uh, images of him in like offices, like smiling. Like with a other group people. of office people. Yeah, they're yeah. like looking at a chart and it's just like Shang-Chi is with them all. <laughs> it's super funny. Hey, everyone starts somewhere. Exactly. So that's awesome that he kept working hard to get the role like this. And it's a very funny movie. The action is solid. Again, the martial arts is exceptional in this movie because it's the first time we'd really seen that in the mcu i wish they stuck more to it in the third act of the film rather being just all about the cgi and the rings and the powers and stuff like that because i think that's mostly what set it out apart was the incredible martial arts and choreography in this film and yeah i i, I love that it that it made an appetite for a lot of young movie fans and Marvel fans about wanting to see more martial arts films. And I recommend diving into that. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Check out the Raid franchise, the Raid and the Raid 2. Some of the best martial arts fighting sequences you'll ever see in a movie. Yeah, Jackie Chan, Jet Li stuff. We so, grew up on those. So, like, yeah, we grew up yeah. on that Bruce Lee films, Enter the Dragon. So, check those all those filmographies out of all those actors and stuff because I think this made an appetite for wanting to see more of that. And I hope they go in that direction with more in, in the MCU. Where did Rotten Tomatoes have this movie? So right? Rotten Tomatoes has it at number five with a 92% score. Super high. So I think that's, that's a little high for me. Um, and then on a budget of $150 million, it grossed $431 million global worldwide. And I think that Shang-Chi, wasn't it also a theater and digital release at the same time? I believe it was theater only. Theater only? I, I think, yeah, so, you're yeah. actually right. Yeah. So they definitely made their Black money. Black Widow was the only one did, they did that with. You're right. And because it didn't work out with Black Widow, so they stopped doing it. Yeah, so Shang-Chi was a really good time. Oh, yeah. Next up, at number 12. 11. <laughs> You're getting all the numbers. It's, it's right I'm next. I'm backwards, Bowen. It's next to the title. No, I don't have it updated. No, oh, because up top you have a blank space at one. Yeah. No, I don't have any numbers on mine. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, sorry. I, I saved mine before you updated it on Google Docs. Sure, yeah, because my Wi-Fi is off. Anyways, oh, this, number I 11. It. I got it. We have Avengers. Marvel's The Avengers. And this was the, the great team-up movie that came out of nowhere. No one was expecting it. It was the first film to gross over $200 million in its opening weekend. It just took the world by storm. Really great job of tying these characters together and also introducing new ones at the same time. I think that this movie was a knockout. Although I think the final act is flawed in terms of the CGI army. Also in terms of the CGI army getting just basically the end, unplugged basically by the end and they all just die. Those, I think, are pretty weak points of it, but I think Loki was an awesome villain, and I like how we turn the Avengers against each other. Great CGI special effects, fun performances. Uh, the few scenes that we see of the characters together, you know, Thor fighting Hulk, highlights like that, makes it a fun time. Yeah, and Marvel did a great job setting up so much to go forward in the MCU with the Infinity Stones and the characters and the storylines and everything, and it's, it's really incredible to go back and think about this film and maybe watch it and... Look at how small the scope is yeah. compared to like the movies today that the MCU is putting out, especially like the recent Avengers films. Even when Spider-Man comes out, the the scale and scope of that. Because when we saw this, we'd never seen anything this big before, but now it seems kind of small, which is pretty wild to me. Mm -hmm. Because they accomplished so much since then, and which is incredible. Because this movie was a wildly successful accomplishment. All these great heroes who we've seen solo films for, and we've been hearing about, and everyone had. Get gotten super excited about learning more of going forward. They're all together, and we see them teaming up, and they their conflicts, and they get together as a family at the end to save the day. And it, it's really great movie. It also, I think, it has the the most famous post credit scene, and that's the reveal of 
Thanos mm-hmm. at the end when he looked a little more purple and very, it wasn't Josh Brolin. It wasn't yet. Josh Brolin yet, but it was the first ever time we saw Thanos. And I remember people were freaking out about it online, and I was like, "Who the fuck is Thanos?" <laughs> <laughs> Same, bro. Same. Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Why is he purple floating on an asteroid? <laughs> I was like, this doesn't look that scary. <laughs> and uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes has this at number eight on their list with a ninety-one percent score. And I think this was the movie where Marvel was like, "All right, we can make a lot of money here because on a budget of two hundred twenty million dollars, it grossed one point five billion global box office. That's a lot of money. A In lot of money. Two thousand and twelve. That was." Absolutely insane. Now, before we move on to the rest of the films on our list, I have to tell you about MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Use our special promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. MoviePosters.com has a giant selection of films to choose from. Pretty much every movie imaginable, they got it in their arsenal. All sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting, whatever your poster needs are movieposters.com can handle it. If you're checking out our set on YouTube, we just got a bunch of new posters. I got this Joker poster for Dark Knight. I got a Seven Samurai. I got Matrix over here. Jimmy just got Lord of the Rings. What else did you get? I got uh, Ocean's Eleven. Heat over there as well. These are high-quality posters, everyone. Again, head on over to the website, movieposters.com, and use promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order today. And our other amazing sponsor is here to help you out. For any of you screenwriters or wannabe screenwriters out there, the most important part of writing a screenplay is making sure that the format is correct. Arc Studio Pro is the software for you. It is the most efficient, streamlined, and elegant screenwriting software on the market. And they are offering a very special deal of $30 off their membership if you use our special link, arcstudiopro.com raiders. They have all sorts of perks for you like apps for your desktop or phone, online collaboration with co-writers, super helpful outlining tools, revisionist management, links to feedback, and this really cool plot board, which allows you to easily organize plot points and acts with this super cool drag-and-drop system. I use Arc Studio Pro every single day for my screenwriting, and I recommend that you do as well. So again, head on over to arcstudiopro.com raiders to get $30 off your membership and start writing today. Now let's move into the top 10 of our MCU movie rankings. And at number 10, we have Spider-Man, Far From Home, which came out in 2019. This was like Tom Holland's first solo film, I think, alone as Spider-Man, no other Avengers evolved. All by himself. Besides uh, Nick, Nick Fury. Fury. Yeah, but he's not like, he's the leader. He's in yeah. charge of them. And this has really great special effects. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is an awesome villain as Mysterio. Zendaya has a beefed up role. You know, Ned is in there still. And, you know, I think it was a lot of fun also changing the setting, getting Marvel outside of America Heading to Europe, a great change of pace. Also, I just love like the classmates and his teachers are super fun. All in, all in all, this is just a solid film in and out. Yeah, it's really funny. I think the cinematography is really good in this movie. I think just the production elements in general are a lot of fun. I love Mysterio as a villain. I think he's super interesting. And obviously the end of this film sets up what's going on to Peter Parker in the next Spider-Man movie where now he's like a public enemy because he was in charge of those drones that Tony gave him control over, which... With, which Mysterio used to take to like cause destruction in that city and then killed Mysterio with who everyone doesn't know he was a villain besides him and that's what's causing him to want that spell so I love how they're, they're using this film to set up the future kind of of the MCU and the multiverse and everything that's going to happen in that film so we can't wait to see that it's one of the most anticipated movies like in the last 20 years for sure 
Um, People are losing their minds about it. <laughs> yeah, it, that, that last trailer was really sick. And I love Tom Holland. I love Zendaya. I like how she, I like how MJ finds out like halfway through this movie that he's Spider Man, or she like knew the whole time. She's like, yeah, of course you're Spider Man. Like you're always like disappearing and stuff. It's like pretty obvious. It's, yeah, that, it's obvious that I'm the. Only, it's weird that I'm the only one who noticed. And Marissa Tomei is in this obviously as Aunt May again. And Happy Hogan has a lot to do, which is super fun. So I love this movie a lot. It's a really good time. All right. And what are the rankings on this? The stats. Spider-Man Far From Home on a budget of $160 million made $1.13 billion global box office. And this came out again in 2019. Wow, that's a lot of money. That is quite a lot of cheddar cheese. And then number nine on our list, we have Doctor Strange, which came out in 2016. This is Stephen Strange's first solo film and starring Benedict Cumberbatch, who is one of the best actors in the MCU. For sure, this guy can do anything and it's so awesome to see him like take a role like this. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite actors working. I think Doctor Strange was is one of the best first films in the entire universe. I think totally agree. I think it's the second. I mean, actually, we ha- we have another movie up ahead of this, but it's definitely up there, better than Thor's first one, better than Captain America's first one. I think they really knocked it out of the park. Scott, Scott Derrickson, the director who had done Sinister before this, really did a great job directing this film. She would tell you, Four is a great side character. Tilda Swinton is awesome. And then Mads, Mads Mikkelsen? Yeah, Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen, that's how you say it. I love him as the villain. Really great filmmaking, great cinematography, mind-bending visuals, obviously reminiscent of Inception, although people say that Doctor Strange did it first in the comic books. I'm like, I mean, who, who made the movie first is what I would say, but... That being said, that I think they expanded upon what Nolan did with Inception. Yeah. Made it a lot of fun, really visually stunning. So I think they knocked it out of the park. Yeah, this one's so fun. It's so different than other MCU movies. That's why I like it so much. Rachel McAdams is awesome in this movie. Benedict Wong has a huge role in this film. Um, I think they just did a terrific job bringing this character into the MCU. And we've shown – they've shown how much – how important Doctor Strange is going forward in the MCU. It seems like every movie or every Avengers film, he seems to be like such an integral figure to how things end up happening in terms of like going back in time or like he goes and sees all the possibilities of what can happen. There's that one outcome in Avengers Endgame of what's going to happen. How do we beat Thanos? So I love St- uh, Stephen Strange. Bendik does a great job. He does a very solid American accent as well. So, huge fans of the movie. Can't wait to see him and how much... He seems to be a huge part of the new Spider-Man movie coming out, so I can't wait to see that. And also, he has his second film coming out, I think, next year, right? By Sam Raimi. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. And let's see what the numbers are for Doctor Strange. Give us the numbers. Came out in 2016. On a budget of $165 million, it grossed $677 million worldwide. Insane. Yeah, I mean, obviously not as much as the as like Spider Man, but like nobody, I nobody knew who Doctor Strange was. It's insane, you know. So it's a brand new character once again. All right, number eight, we have Captain America: Civil War, which came out in two thousand and sixteen. This is a really great film. You know, it has a great conclusion. Oh wait, I'm sorry, I forgot to do my Rotten Tomatoes rankings. Yeah, I was for waiting for that. Doctor Strange: Rotten Tomatoes, number twelve with an eighty nine percent score. Sorry, back to all right. Um, Civil War. So Civil War is a lot of fun. Great to see all these characters taking sides against each other and having that epic airport battle, which was a lot of fun. Although, so a lot of people have this movie ranked higher than we do. I have we haven't ranked this low for a couple of reasons. I would say because during that final battle, I I felt like nobody's gonna die, so I didn't. The stakes weren't really there. It was cool to see them fight, but I didn't yeah. feel like anyone was really in danger. And also they were they were making like jokes half the time, so it was like. Hard to take that fight too seriously. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think the the 
fight between the, the trio at the end is better than the airport fight because it feels like I, are they going to really kill like mess up Iron Man and Tony Stark? So that fight I think was better. And also, I understand the Sokovia Accords and they needed to find a way to divide the characters for the Civil War whole idea. But, I mean, I just don't understand why the government's mad at the Avengers for Sokovia because if they didn't go in to stop it, the world would have blown up. You know what I mean? So everyone would be dead. So I don't understand why, you know, they're being punished for saving the Earth. I know people died, but it's better than the entire planet exploding. Politics gonna politics, yeah. playa. It's the way it is. But I, I I like Civil War a lot. You know, Ron Tomatoes has this at number 10, 90% score on Ron Tomatoes. I think I have the same feelings as you. I, that's why I like Winter Soldier better than this personally. I think it's really good. It's like another, you know, team-up action style going on. But you're right. There, there isn't really a lot of stakes in that giant battle. I think it's a pretty emotional film, you know, with Bucky and with Steve and what they're going through and with Tony mixed in with that as well. Um, I think overall it's just like they – I think they were just trying to make another Avengers real quick. But it's, Avengers 2.0. Yeah, basically. 2.5. Kind of. Before they get into Endgame and Infinity War, yeah. which, which, you know, it worked out really well because this movie was very successful. Captain America Civil War came out in 2016 on a budget of $230 million, grossed $1.15 billion worldwide at the box office. And, I mean, you can't even say this is a Captain America film if you think about it. That's the thing. Yeah. That's why, like, that's why I talk about Homecoming like that because Homecoming has multiple Avengers in it, so it doesn't fully feel like a Spider-Man-only movie. Civil War doesn't really feel like a, a, a Captain America movie. It feels yeah. like an Iron Man movie most of the time or an Avengers movie. Yeah, exactly. It feels like an Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Next up, at number six. Seven. Seven. <laughs> I'm just going to say the numbers from now on. Yeah, you should Number seven, we have Black Panther, which came out in 2018. Very refreshing movie. I love the score by Ludwig Göransson. Uh, this is a really terrific film. Excellent cast. Led by the Chadwick Bose, the epic Chadwick Boseman. The epic rest, Chad- rest, rest in peace. We miss him. He was a perfect T'Challa, and he was so great to see in Civil War. And then this was a really great film. I think they knocked it out of the park. Amazing set design, great CGI, fun final battle, great villain, one of the better villains with Killmonger. And I just think it was a good time. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan is phenomenal in this movie. Chadwick Boseman's incredible. All of the acting is sensational. Um, even Lupita's in this movie as well. Oscar-winning actress over there. And Ryan Coogler is an exceptional director. I love Creed so much. I really like that movie. I love Black Panther. I remember when we left the theater, I'm like, that just that was blew my mind. i never seen anything like that before. And I wish this movie, it seems like it could have came out a few years earlier before, but it's, it's, it's great to see that Black Panther finally got his movie in 2018. Um, but overall, I mean, this was a Best Picture-nominated film. The story is great. The characters are great. I love how Andy Serkis is in this. Martin Freeman's a great character in this movie as well. And just overall, like, I love learning about Wakanda and the culture. And, you know, there's there's so many interesting concepts surrounding that culture and, and the symbolism of it. And we've talked about it in depth in our Black Panther episode. So definitely check that out on our podcast if you haven't listened to it or watched it yet on YouTube. Um, on a budget of $200 million, Black Panther made $1.3 billion making it a top five Marvel movie, Marvel movie gross-wise. And Rotten Tomatoes has this number one on their list with a score of 96%. It's a lot of money. Lots of cheddar cheese. Next up in 2019, now number six on our list, we have Avengers Endgame. This movie, it's not perfect, but you can't deny they tied this whole thing together in a great way. With a bow, man. Yeah, it's, so, it's such a complex thing they set up and established in... I think that I love the time travel. I love this cast. I, I like the time jump. I love how 
you know, the blip happened five years ago and the characters are dealing with it. I love Fat Thor. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's a lot of fun. It doesn't quite pack the punch of Infinity War, but it's pretty darn close. And I think all all in all, it was a really great time in the theater. Yeah, I like Infinity War better than Endgame, but Endgame is exceptional. It's one of the best movies they've ever made. And it's incredible what they pulled off with this film to finally conclude, what was it, 23 movies up to this point? 24 movies, something like that. And you not conclude it, but like kind of wrap up everything that they had been building. It's like they, they finally shot the last bullet in their chamber with this. It's incredible what they pulled off, and both films are exceptional, and it's crazy. They're going back in time. It sounds so silly, but they do it, and they pull it off, and they make mm-hmm. it seem they make it seem legit. Like, oh, I believe that. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't. I didn't question it at all. And the effects yeah. are incredible. The, yeah. the fighting sequences, the action sequences, the all-out war at the end is incredible. I love Tony going to meet his father, yeah, stuff like that. I love Cap's ending. It's everybody's great. together in the end. Everybody comes back. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. It's it's so, so good. Great time. And so Rotten Tomatoes has this at number two on their list with a score of 94%. And on a budget of about $400 million, Avengers Endgame is their highest grossing film in the MCU universe. And I think number two all time behind um, Avatar in general with $2.79 billion at the box office, which is absolutely astronomical. Makes you really see how friggin' big of a hit Avatar was. Yeah. <laughs> but Avatar did do a re-release recently, which got them back up to number one. Yeah, but still, it did that before Avengers was even coming out. What was Avatar, 2009? Yeah, 2009. Like crazy crazy, uh, crazy unheard of property like That's, this this was 20 this was this movie was 24 films in the making yeah it's unbelievable that's actually a great point yeah i can't wait to see avatar 2 what that's gonna do mm-hmm. all right number five we're in our top five now let's let's get serious the, these are the big ones this is it number five we have guardians of the galaxy which came out in 2014 i love 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 this movie it's so fun this was like going this and thor ragnarok really took the mcu in that funny direction changing the tone a little bit it was getting a little dark but these guys lightened it up and i don't know how they pulled it off with all these characters nobody ever heard of there's a talking tree dave bautista <laughs> is blue uh, zoe zaldana is green and chris pratt is sensational as star lord and also it brought the intergalactic scope to the mcu mm-hmm. which they needed to pull off the the entire phase three and phase four and this movie i think is i think this is the funnest marvel movie it's a great time. I love it. It has that like you know that Star Wars element to it of this crew on a spaceship flying around the galaxy. I mean, it, the opening of Star Lord just yeah, dancing. It's yeah, just like dancing. what am I watching? The first time in the theaters, I'm like, what am I watching? This yeah. is hysterical. And I love an Endgame when they when um Nebula and um Ro- in um Rhodey go back in time. Yeah, and they watch him dancing from afar, and, and, she, and she he's like, oh, so he's an idiot. <laughs> but uh, Guardians is just a lot of fun. The entire crew. When they uh, the, this motley crew getting together like this band of misfits, so great. I think they, it was Chris Pratt and Zoe Zaldana are really the highlights of the film, and the whole crew I just really adored. So yeah, it's a great film. They have a solid villain, and uh, you know this ragtag crew just end up becoming a family at the end of the film. James yeah. Gunn really pulled it off, and obviously don't forget Rocket Raccoon as Bradley Cooper. Uh, Bradley Cooper's voice. <laughs> Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. Rocket Raccoon is one of my favorite actors. How he how he immersed himself into the role of Bradley Cooper is <laughs> incredible, was stunning. Have you seen the behind behind the scenes videos of him? The voicing, mocap suit. Yeah, no, him voicing Bradley Cooper. It's really great. He also played Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born, <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook as well. He is the trash bag. Uh, Guardians is on Rotten Tomatoes at, at number seven on their list, ninety two percent score and. 
after this, they're like, we can do anything we want because on a budget of 195 million, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One made 773 million dollars at the box office. It's a big profit, absolutely, for a bunch of characters mainstream people had never heard of. Insane. All right, number four, we got Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which came out in 2014. This is when the Russo brothers took over control of the MCU going forward. Yeah, much. they did a great job with Cap. I love how they were adamant about depicting Cap's strength compared to just a normal human being, mm-hmm. which they showed really well in this film. That opening ship sequence yeah. was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. And then Natasha has a great role in this film. She's got a lot of scenery to chew up. Nick Fury's role. I love the espionage element. Robert Redford plays an awesome villain. I think this is a really solid action thriller. Uh, really gritty. Very, um, it reminds me, it has a feeling of like a Jason Bourne-esque film. Yeah. I think they re- made a really surprising film. The sequels aren't like Iron Man 2, not that great. Uh, Thor 2, not very good. But, you know, Captain America, they pulled off the sequel with this one. This is the movie that made Captain America super cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. First Avenger, yeah, he's, he's he's awesome. He's Captain America. He's got these sweet powers, but he's kind of a Boy Scout. But First Avenger made him kind of hip and made him modern, and he's super fun. And, and Anthony Mackie's introduces this as Falcon, and we have Sebastian Stan as an excellent villain in Winter Soldier and the mystery behind that character and everything, and, and the metal arm. And the music by Henry Jackman is so good in this movie. I feel like this is the first... Uh, like score from a composer that felt super authentic to the story rather than like the the recycled Marvel score that we'd heard a hundred in all yeah, the other movies. Yeah, it's always the same kind of Marvel sounds. Yeah, they hit yeah. the same beats with the, it's kind of like their plots, but I think Henry Jackman just knocked it out of the park with the music. I love the themes of this movie, and I love Winter Soldier's themes. Nick Fury's all over this film. It's just an awesome movie. And what, what I think sets this movie apart from the others is just it's a lot of gunfighting, which I love to yeah. see. And you didn't ever see in any other Marvel movies just gunfighting, people with guns shooting at each other. And they did it. It's, it's like, you know, the the shootout in Heat you get reminiscent of in this film. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The, that great sequence. It's like a good 20-minute sequence where it starts from um, Winter Soldier taking their car out to them escaping. And it's just an amazing sequence of action. And the Nick Fury scene yeah. where he's getting shot. Like, so many good scenes in this movie. Yeah. The rooftop scene. Um, I really love, uh, obviously, the Natasha and... and Elevator scene. Elevator scene. So, yeah. yeah. But also the the, the Hydra element where the... Hell Hydra. Yeah. So that, that bringing that back into the picture from uh, First Avenger and how it's still present in the MCU and trying to get control over the... The scepter and everything, and the Infinity Stone. So it's such a it's such a good movie. It's a good one. And Rotten Tomatoes. The, this is my biggest disagreement. I think they have it at number eleven. Eleven. Ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But like, man, this movie I think deserves to be top five on everyone's yeah, list. Yeah, how's this eleven? That's silly. But anyways, um, in two thousand fourteen, when this was released on a budget of one hundred seventy seven million dollars, this made seven hundred fourteen million worldwide. Nice. And then Cap became awesome. Yeah. He wasn't even he wasn't even cool in Avengers. Yeah, you're right. He was yeah. just as uh, the Boy Scout. He's yeah. he's a nice leader. Yeah. Moving on to number three. Top three. This is big time. Thor Ragnarok, 2017, directed by Taika Watiti. And this was a game changer for me personally in the MCU. Yeah, for me, this made me this is one of my favorites. It's so much fun. It's hysterical. You know, I think that Taika is an awesome director and he they think they just really let after the first two Thor movies were pretty disappointing, underwhelming, I think Marvel was like, you know what? Chris Hemsworth is a very funny guy on his own. He's very charming. Let's just let Thor be like that. And I think they just really let Hemsworth just be himself in this movie is what really made the difference. He was not. He, he feels less like Thor 
a more like Chris Hemsworth, yeah. if that makes sense. It's hysterical. The opening scene of this movie is so funny yeah. when he's spinning. He's he's like waiting. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm spinning. Yeah. You're going to wait to come around. Yeah. And then now this gave Thor his own a theme, you know, the Led Zeppelin song, Immigrant Song. So now he's got a theme in a way. Yeah. And obviously we have a great cast. Tom Hiddleston's coming back as Loki. We have Kate Blanchett as Hela, who's awesome in this movie. Idris Elba's awesome in this movie. Who else have we got in this film? Oh, lots of people. Oh, Jeff Goldblum yeah. is in this movie. Yeah. I mean, Bruce Banner's here yeah, with Mark Hulk's Ruffalo. In Hulk's in yeah. it. I love Hulk and and uh, Thor going back and forth and puny human or yeah. like weak arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. And then um, what's Taiko Titi's character name? Character's name? Krog. 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 He's super funny. Yeah. Oh, this sounds like something Jeff would say. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is just hysterical, and I think it has a lot of personality to it. it. Made it was it felt different. Yeah. It didn't feel like that Marvel-y movie. Man, it it spiced things up and made MCU super super yeah, fun. Yeah, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie yeah, was course, a highlight. Was Absolutely, great. she's a great addition to the the film and Rotten Tomatoes has us at number four on their list with a Pretty score close. of 93%. And for numbers, Thor Ragnarok on a budget of 180 million dollars made 853 million dollars worldwide at the box office. I saw I was watching interviews years ago, and Hemsworth and Evans were doing interviews together. I think they were doing it for Ultron or something, and both of their sequels had come out. And Winter Soldier had just come out before the press for Avengers. And Hems, I saw one where Hemsworth like made this joke. He's like, and because the interviewer, the first thing they said was like, "Oh, Mr. Evans, I just want to say Winter Soldier was amazing. Like we loved it." And then Hemsworth was like, "That's all I've been hearing this entire press release. Everyone's just saying <laughs> loving Winter Soldier." <laughs> so I think in the back was I think he had a chip on his shoulder, probably for how bad his his sequel was re- received. And so I think he really put a lot into trying to make Ragnarok as good as he could. Well, it's like a team, and they're all friends, but yeah. it's like it's a, a rivalry. A, a com- yeah, yeah com- competition is the best thing for success. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think that that really fueled him to make Ragnarok as good as it was. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, number two, Ooh-hoo. we have it can only be one of the two left that if you've been paying attention. What's it gonna be? Iron Man, which came out in two thousand and eight, and I. Usually put this at number one, but Anthony convinced me to put it at number two, which we'll talk about why when we get to number one with Infinity War. Yeah, we'll get to it. But Iron Man... Spoilers! <laughs> <laughs> Iron Man set the stage for the future, and it's incredible how one of the best movies in the MCU was the first one, which is great. Laid a great foundation. John Favreau, exceptional director and visionary guy with the MCU by getting the right Tony Stark, getting down in this role and being... You know, staying true to his guns. Like I need, I need Robert Downey Jr. to be Tony Stark. And even though the the, the studio didn't want him, he convinced them. It was adamant about it. Uh, we have Gwyneth Paltrow on this. Jeff Bridges is a phenomenal villain. Terrence Howard. This is his only role in the MCU where he gets replaced by Don Cheadle later on. Poor guy. Um, script is great. Action's great. Mind blowing. Blew me away. It still is. I mean, after all these years, it's still one of the best movies. It's just a perfect movie from start to finish. Mm-hmm. There's no fat on it. There's, I can't have a. There's no bad word to say about it. It's just a, a really flawless action adventure film. I think that you know this film really set the stage for what a Marvel movie would be in terms of the tone, the humor, the approach to the villains, the overall arc of the hero character, especially in the first solo films. I think they I, they used Iron Man as the template going forward, and Marvel's success is because of Iron Man. If Iron Man didn't work out, because Incredible Hulk didn't work out, if Iron Man failed too, they not might not have been able to keep making movies. They might, because they, they got a big loan to make movies. And if they couldn't pay that loan off, they would have been stuck, probably wouldn't have, in, in, maybe it either would have slowed them down 
or they would have had to stop making movies. So mm-hmm. Iron Man's success really is what set the stage for what the MCU would become. Yeah, and what I love most about Iron Man is it you can tell that they are heavily inspired from Batman Begins, the origin story oh, yeah. there. So I, I think that that laid the foundation of what they thought they could do with the MCU going forward. They're like, look what they did with Batman Begins. Why can't we do that with all of our superheroes? And especially, let's start right, let's start with Iron Man. Even though nobody's really ever heard of him in terms of outside of the comic book world, Let's just do it with Iron Man. He's going to be the foundation of the entire MCU. He's the heart of the whole the whole thing. Yeah. It's all Tony Stark. Robert Downey Jr. is the key of the MCU up until Endgame. Yeah, he was he, the face of the franchise. He, he was it. The face with, of it without, all. without the right Tony Stark, without probably Robert Downey Jr., it would not have been what it became. Mm-hmm. Because And one of the great things that Downey did was revealing that Tony Stark was Iron Man at the end of the movie, which they did not plan to do. They were supposed, they were planning on being secret identities, but then because Downey did that, improvised it, they're like, let's just go Screw with it. it. Let's do it. <laughs> no one's going to have a secret identity. No, who's going to care? It worked out. It, it worked. really did. Yeah, and so Rotten Tomatoes has this at number three on their list and a score of 94%. And let's see, numbers-wise, in 2008 when it came out on a budget of $140 million, it made $585 million at the box office. Great first start, though. Very good. Yeah. So that loan was like, all right, that's pretty good, guys. Let's, that, see, let's yeah. see what happens next. That was a, that's, I think that's about what the loan was. Yeah. They got, they got like the that. loan. Their plan was like, we're going to make four movies with this loan and see what happens. All right. There's one film less left on our list, and it can only be Infinity War. Dun, dun, dun. The first part of the Avengers. The penultimate. part ending saga. And this came out in 2018. And I think, we, I think Anthony convinced me of putting this ahead of Iron Man because of the scope of it, the scale and the epicness. And no no movie of this has ever been made, may never be made like this ever. What I think really sets Infinity War apart is its story structure. Infinity War, the hero is not an Avenger. The hero, of the, the, the protagonist of Infinity War is Thanos. It's his story from start to finish. It's no one else's story. Thanos literally is the protagonist of the film, and you can look at it as the Avengers are the antagonist to him accomplishing his goal, and he eventually succeeds his goal. But this film is just really well-crafted, really well-written. They balanced all these characters in a really terrific way. Uh, I like how they had to split up. Obviously, they have to split people up. You know, They team up Thor with the Guardians, and then the other characters here, and then Black other characters Panther here. Black with, with, uh, yeah, with Bucky. Bucky and, and Cap and... And, and Natasha and I just really they did a fantastic job balancing everyone CGI is really terrific I think the Thanos the CGI is really remarkable I never once questioned the CGI performance of Josh Brolin it felt like a real character all in all from start to finish the this movie's very fast it moves along really quickly it it's pulse pounding really terrific action sequences and they they trimmed out all the fat it's just a really sensational adaptation and a great setup for the finale. Yeah, the Russo brothers, after doing Winter Soldier, took over the rest of what's going on with the MC with Infinity War and Endgame, directing both of those films. And, you know, the story is wildly ambitious. It might be the most ambitious superhero film that ever gets made. I don't know if it'll ever be topped. And obviously we love Endgame, the conclusion of it, but I think Infinity War is just such such a good time. And then watching the blip at the end is super emotional because Endgame, we know they're all coming back, but when you're watching Infinity War, just still watching the act of Black Panther disappearing and Spider-Man disappearing and all these characters disappearing, it's like people are actually gone. This is really intense. It's really serious. Um, there's actually characters getting killed. So it's, it's actually just an emotional journey as well as being epic action on huge proportions. I love every minute of this movie. I was 
absolutely flabbergasted when I saw it in theaters. And Rotten Tomatoes has this at number 14 on their list. 14? Is, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's got a rating of a score of 85%, which is, wow. 14. Um, and, wow. And when it was released in 2018 on a budget of $400 million, it grossed $2.04 billion worldwide at the box office. Big hit. So that concludes our Marvel rankings. We really hope you all enjoyed this. And again, no list is wrong. Your list is valid if you put movies higher than we have or lower than we have yeah that's your that's your thing that's, let us know in the comments yeah. what your favorite marvel movie is yeah what do you think our biggest disagreements are and you know what we respect your list as much as we hope you respect ours but you know we had a fun time making this we love the mcu we can't wait to see what's on going forward we can't Spider-Man wait spider-man is gonna be awesome yeah. we got dr strange coming up this so much going on and um thanks so much for tuning in be sure to become a patron today at patreon.com slash raiders of the lost podcast take care everybody bye thanks so much for tuning in to raiders of the lost podcast be sure to subscribe if you're new hit the like button leave a comment find us on all audio streaming platforms spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts you can find us find us on twitter tiktok instagram raiders of the lost podcast be sure to check out one of these other videos right here for more content on our favorite films and breaking down all kinds of movie content. Thanks so much.